When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's a big week when RHAP is on the road in Chicago. Check out my live show from Chicago. That's going to be up on Thursday, Wednesday night. Shannon Gus is going to be live with you with Kelly Wentworth after Survivor. And we preview the Dondi finale with Deal or No Deal Island host Joe Manganiello all right here on RHAP. We know reality TV. It's the Purple Pants, it's the Purple Pants, it's the Purple Pants Podcast. You better get your headphones and listen up quick. It's the Purple Pants Podcast. You better listen in public, might make your stomach hurt. It's the Purple Pants Podcast. You're trying to unwind, you better get that box wine. It's the Purple Pants Podcast. You're trying to get your snack, you better hurry right back, though. It's the Purple Pants, it's the Purple Pants. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Purple Pants Podcast, episode 125, Smoke Detector. I am your humble and oh-so-gracious host, Bryce Isaiah. Thank you so much for coming back after your Thanksgiving break and tuning in to the Purple Pants Podcast. But listen, if you have not already, please make sure you are subscribed to the Purple Pants Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcasts, wherever it is that you get your podcasts from we're there hit subscribe give your baby boy some five stars and write a review i hope everyone had a wonderful time with their family i hope everyone enjoyed whether you had thanksgiving off whether you had black friday off i hope you just got some time to yourself because we know self-care is important whether it's you just laying in the bed eating, watching TV, whether you are walking your dog, whether you're taking a bath, I hope that you got time to yourself and just enjoyed it. I also hope you took advantage of them Black Friday sales and not for holiday gifts, but for yourself because baby boy was shopping away and I ain't buy one holiday gift. I bought a whole bunch of stuff that I've been dying to buy and you know, I'm just treating myself. Why not? I work so hard. I don't do a lot of things that I want to do. So I listen, baby boy treated myself. So I hope everyone had a wonderful holiday with their family because I most certainly did. Now I got a story time on the podcast. It's story time on the podcast. So Barb had Thanksgiving, Barb and John. And I'm sure like every family, you know, our family dynamics are a little, you know, complicated and difficult. And so probably for the past couple of years, you know, holiday time can be a little contentious in our family. Who ain't talking to who? Who don't like who? Who say they not coming? Who come and got an attitude? Who storm out and leave? Who take more turkey? Like, you know, just the family dynamics. However, I really have to say that my family Thanksgiving, rather it was small, but it really was joyous. Like there were no fights. Nobody stormed out. And for my family, that's a win. So I really had a a, a great holiday. And I was like talking to my mom the day after because, you know, me and Barb always like to recap in the morning with some coffee. We were just saying like this probably is the most peaceful Thanksgiving we probably had in over like 12 years. 
So it was just really and just kind of reflecting on that. It's the little things that sometimes, you know, we take for granted. And the fact that, you know, my family was able to get together and there wasn't any arguing, you know, everyone because, you know, sometimes I ain't talking to this person, this person, you know, it was none of that. And so I guess maybe I even took it for granted because in that conversation with my mom, I really was like, wow, like this was a nice family event. Now, hear the story, y'all. Now, you know my mom's husband, John. You may remember him from The Maiden Voyage, the first episode of the Purple Pants podcast where I talked about the gazebo story. And if you are unfamiliar with it, take some time, go back to the first episode and listen to the story about the gazebo. So we had everyone essentially stayed over. So every one of the rooms at my mom's house was taken up. I had to share a bed with my nephew. Shout out to my nephew, Jalen. And really was fun. So everyone stayed over. Then the next day, everyone left. I stay, you know me, I, I'm going to stay a couple of days and get in that bathtub and enjoy myself. So while me and my nephew uh, were like sleeping, I heard like there was a smoke detector. Hence the name of the podcast. So, you know, when the, the smoke detector battery go low, go beep. So, you know, me and my nephew, my nephew in the morning, he was like, oh, yeah, we got to get the, we got to tell John about that. You know, ain't thinking much about it. So we wake up the next morning, make breakfast. Every, everyone is having a good time. People leave. And so it's just me, and my mom, John and Sunshine. And, you know, we're just chilling. I had like stuff to do, did a little errands, a little shopping. So came back, you know, we ate leftovers and then, you know, it's like nighttime. So we sleep. So I'd say it will maybe I'm lying. Maybe we had a cocktail or two because, you know, me, Barb and John, we love a shot of tequila. So we're just enjoying our company. And, you know, it's maybe 12, 12, 30. So everybody getting in the bed. So I'm like upstairs doing my like routine and my mom bathroom because my mom got all the beauty products and all the skin masks. So I'm all up in a bathroom. My mom and John in bed. I'm like, you know, playing because literally like my mom has a thousand, you know, anti wrinkle, you know, firming masks. So I'm doing all of that. And at this point, it's like 12 foot five. John is like, you hear that? And I'm like, oh, God, he must be talking about the smoke detector. Now, the reason why I'm saying, oh, God, is John is the type of person that, like, if you got to do something, you got to do it the right way. You know, sometimes if I come over and the TV not working, sometimes I don't even want to tell him because John, it like, you know, a five minute fix with John turns into 45 minutes. Then he got to call customer service. And if he don't like the person on the customer service, then he's the one like, let me speak to the manager. Okay. You know, John, John is very, you know, so I'm like, oh, God, uh, I don't want to tell him Mr. Smoke Detector. I'm like, no, I don't hear anything. So then like 10 minutes later, you know, I'm getting out the bathroom after washing all my face masks off. And my mom is like sitting up in the bed. I'm like, why are you sitting up in the bed? And she like points to the hallway and John is out in the hallway. And he's like, I, I heard the beep. I think I think one of the smoke detectors might be low. I'm like, oh, OK. I'm like, I don't hear nothing. So then John goes into the garage, goes downstairs. At this point, it's like one in the morning, comes back up with batteries and he like leaves the batteries on the banister. And he's like, OK, well, listen, by sitting in the hallway for a little bit. And first of all, how he put me on smoke detector duty. I'm trying to go to sleep. He like sit in the hallway and tell me if you hear it. 
So he, as he like is walking back into his bedroom, you know, the smoke detector went beep. So he come back out and he's like, which one is it? Now, mind you, I am on smoke detector duty, but I didn't think it was going to beep at that current time. So it, there is like when you come up my mom's steps, um, if you go to the left, there's two bedrooms and a bathroom. And so in that little area, there's three smoke detectors, one in like my bedroom, one in the hallway and then one in the other bedroom. So we know it's at least one of these three. So, you know, he like, well, which one is it? So I'm like, uh, I don't know. So then John go back down to the basement. No, he went to the garage for the batteries. Then he goes to the basement to get a step stool. So he's like, did you hear it again? I'm like, no. So he's like, okay, well, I'm I'm just going to change the battery on this one. So he changes the battery on, let's take a stand up on a step stool, changes the battery, and puts it back in. And then he's like, Well, you know, the smoke detectors, they hardwired. So it's the battery in the hardwire. I'm like, Okay. So <laughs> he puts the battery back in, and you know, okay, all is well. I go in my bedroom. John walk into his bedroom five minutes later. Beep. I'm like, Oh my God. So then John is like, well, let's change the battery in your room. First of all, I'm trying to watch episode five of The Great. And here John is. So, okay. Get the step store. And y'all know I can't do it because, you know, John do everything. You know, so he don't trust me to do it. So he got to do it. So in my room, on the step stool, changing the battery. Boom. Done. Okay. He back in his room. Press play. Watching The Great. Maybe this is like 10 minutes go by. Beep, Lord, and you know, here come John. Did you hear that? So then we change the smoke detector in the other room. Done. Beep, child. Then this time, John come out shirtless. Okay, he baby boy must have thought he was going to sleep. He comes out shirtless. And he's like, maybe the batteries that I got weren't good. I'm like, um, I'm like, I'm like, at this point, I get on the step ladder, I take the battery out, and I put the it's like one of the the nine volt. I put it to my tongue. I'm like, nope, it's a zing. I feel it. They're good. So then John's like, oh, I don't know, I don't know. And then beep, child, it literally beeps right in front of us. So we at least identify that it is the smoke detector right outside the bathroom. And John's like, yeah, we always have problems with the smoke detectors. Whenever you kids take a shower and you open the door, uh, you don't shut the door and the smoke detector goes off. So, you know, we've had a problem with the smoke detector for a while. Okay, if you had a problem with the smoke detector for a while, John, it's 1.30 in the morning. Why right now? <laughs> okay. Then John go, he disappears. So then I go in my mom's room and my mom is just like laughing because she already knows because like, I'm the helper. I, like, you know, I'm like, where's John? She's like, I don't know. Then John come up. With a pack of smoke detectors. First of all, John, if you got a pack of new smoke detectors and you knew this smoke detector, you was having issues with it. Why you ain't put it up before? Mind you, John is shirtless and he got on hotel. You know, when you go to a hotel, they give you like the bathrobes and like the little like he got on hotel slippers. First of all, why are you taking the hotel slippers? (laughs) Okay. So John is shirtless, hotel slippers, and he is. Oh, oh, ooh, child! Oh, that oh, that might have been the smoke detector. <laughs> um, he is standing on a step stool, 
taking an old smoke detector off. And then like he earlier said that the smoke detectors were hardwired. So they got to get down from the step stool. They got to go back to the garage. Bring up a tool belt because now John is electrician. OK, he unscrewing wires with the cap on them, screwing. Them. I'm like, what? I'm, I'm like, you don't got to turn the electricity on. And I'm just thinking this would be the night. He get electrocuted or something. No shirt on. And the hotel slippers. So then John is like standing up, you know, uh, unwiring, screwing the wires. And I'm like, oh, Lord. Then he like, oh, my arm hurt. So then he got to calm down. He got to come down and take a break. At this point, y'all, it's probably like 2.30. Okay. Normally, something like this, Sunshine will be barking at all the noise. Sunshine under the bed, like y'all doing too much. And then after John's arms get a little rested, he climbs back up shirtless in the hotel slippers, continues to hardwire them up, puts the smoke detector on, steps back down, and okay, we good. So then I'm like, okay. Then I see John walking back to his room, and then John's like, smoke detector look a little off. What? So you, okay. So the other smoke detector might have been like a little smaller or bigger so now like this new smoke detector like you know you can kind of sort of see the where the old smoke detector was like you know like an imprint who cares what does john do shirtless and in the hotel slippers climbs back up the step stool to like reposition this this is what i'm dealing with y'all okay repositions it and then steps down and then he's like okay and he's like i'm gonna leave the step stool up here though just to count no so when john went in the room i went and brought the step stool downstairs because listen (laughs) that's what i had to deal with y'all okay i don't want to see another smoke detector and if i hear a beep oh and this is another thing so while john was uh what was he doing at this point in between, after the smoke detector was up, and then I um I put the um I took the step stool downstairs. Now, mind you, while John is doing all of this, I'm recording some of this and I'm sending it to his daughter because we had like a text message exchange about all of the Johnisms. And so I, when John was like testing the new smoke detector, you know, go beep. So I had was recording those videos to send to Shanae. So after I take the step stool downstairs, first of all, you just can't make this type of stuff up. After I take the step stool downstairs, I'm in my room and I'm like sending Shanae, which is John's daughter, my stepsister, a text message to be like, girl, look at your dad. It is 2.45 in the morning. That's what we're doing. And the video plays and the video had the beep. (laughs) Okay. So y'all know what happened. John, John knocking at the door. He's like, did you hear that? I said, oh, no, John. And at this point, he's shirtless and he don't even got the hotel slippers on. I'm like, no, I had recorded you to send to Chanel. He was like, oh, you're messing with me. You're messing with me. So, y'all, that was my Thanksgiving weekend. And I said, you know what? I got to bring this story to the posse because who? So, listen, if you ever want something returned, okay, you know to call John. If you ever put up a gazebo. You know to call John. Now, if your battery is low on your smoke detector and it's hardwired, 
you know to call John. <laughs> I'm sorry for the long story, y'all, but I had to lift. I was just trying to lay down. You know, I bought me up a piece of ham and turkey. You know, I was just trying to lay in the bed and watch the great. I was the assistant to the electrician that is John. <laughs> But I had a great time uh, with my mom and my family. And so I just had to share that with y'all. Now, let's get down to what's going on on this episode. It is a casual tea episode. We've got Amon back and your baby boys are breaking down the Amon Albury trial. We're talking about the verdict from the Kyle Rittenhouse trial. We are talking Dancing with the Stars. We're talking Wendy Williams. We're talking LeBron James. And we are talking Dollar Tree. So listen, it's a casualty you do not want to miss. Jatia Hart-Taylor surprised me and stopped back by. She says she wanted to cover the last reunion. Before she said she didn't want to cover it, then she saw it and called me and said, oh, we got to talk. So Jatia is back and we are covering the final Real Housewife of Potomac reunion and we've got the freak of the week. So listen, make sure your batteries on your smoke detector are charged because we are going to start these church announcements. On this week's church announcements, I just want to remind you guys that December 15th, Bryce and Wynn presents the finale. We are headed to Hoboken, New Jersey, which is right outside of New York City, close enough to Philly, close enough to New Jersey, close enough to Delaware. So listen, if you want to finally get your chance to come to a Bryson Wynn Presents or you've been to one and you said, listen, I need some more of the Bryson Wynn Presents. The tickets are available now. We've got some really fun people coming. And listen, let's just bring in this historic season of Survivor. We ain't had Survivor in a year. Let's bring it in together. Tickets are available now. You can click the link in my Instagram or Twitter bio and you can do the same at Wendell's bio. And listen, get your tickets, support your baby boy, and let's watch some Survivor. It's a casual tea with Amon and B. 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 And we are back this week eh, with the casual tea. We're back this week with the casual tea. With the thankful casual tea. Yes. Come on, giving thanks to the Purple Pants Posse and Aman for always tuning in and showing up for us. So uh, welcome back to the podcast. Thank Thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah, it is Thanksgiving weekend at the time of this recording. 
beautiful Sunday morning. Um, ooh, that kind of rhymed. Uh, <laughs> it's a beautiful Sunday morning. I always be like adding extra uh, 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 to how like how I sing uh, anything. But yes, how was your uh, holiday? How was your beautiful Sunday morning? It's been great. I've had like so much fun just being back home, um, seeing friends and family that I haven't seen in a while. Um, and just some good food, uh, good drinks and love. And it's the beginning of the holiday season. It snowed here in Pittsburgh last night and all oh. people's like Christmas lights were up. So it really just put me in the spirit. I'm just, I just love this time of year. So I'm, I'm happy. And, uh, yeah, I had a great time and I'm just excited to get into the rest of the holiday season. Do me a favor and keep that snow in the Pittsburgh area. Okay. <laughs> but it was, it was nice though. It was like a nice, like nice little covering. It wasn't no inches, just a nice little, little sprinkle, a little flurry just to put you in the spirit, but you could still drive normally. <laughs> okay. Well, all right. I could do that. Cause I ain't trying to shovel out and being as though I'm remote, it don't really help. Cause I still can't take the day off. Although I am uh, sort of hoping it is, uh, people mm-hmm. might be like, "What the hell am I?" Like, not for Christmas per se, but like just during the winter time, I feel like we're kind of just due for like one good blizzard, just one. No, just I one. well, well, here, keep the blizzard, okay? I get, I take like little six, seven, uh, a good snow. Here, I'll even take two. Like seven, eight inch snowstorms. I'm fine with that. But then after that, just be done. I do feel like last year we did make out kind of like luckily. That's what I'm saying. Like, I feel like we're due for one because we haven't had one in a couple of years. Like, it's. Yeah, it'd it be a lot. Now, although I just don't like driving in it. I I love a good snow day. I go out, shovel my car out, shovel my neighbor's car out. I, I do love all of that. Love being in my house, turning the heat up, but I don't got time. But when I'm ready to go to the store, I got to like, you know, is it black ice out? I got it. And it's not so much you you have to worry about. It's these crazy behind drivers that it's like, excuse me, sir. You know, it's <laughs> snowing. Why are you driving 60 miles per hour? Like, slow down. Right, right, yeah. It's I, I mean, even even myself, even though, like I said, it wasn't bad yesterday. I was like, oh, I don't know if I want to be in the snow driving. Because first of all, I don't be driving like that. I don't have a car oh. in Philly, so I only ever drive when I'm back home in Pittsburgh. And so I already have like a bit of anxiety about getting in the car anyway. Um, so just add like some some precipitation to that, mm-hmm. and I'm just all sorts of all sorts of out of whack. Like, oh my god, I'm gonna crash. So no, guys, buckle up. And in Philly. You know how people get with their parking spots. People put out fans. People put out chairs. People put out <laughs> barbecue grills. Tables. in their spot. <laughs> and you know what's a big thing? And I know in cities like uh, New York, I know in Massachusetts, and I know in Philly, like we're really big on that. And I think last year, like maybe three or four people got killed over that. So it is a real thing. I don't touch nobody uh, stuff. I leave it right there. I'll just circle the block or uh, I just make my own parking spot up. But the since the last time that we have talked, we had the Bryson Wynn presents Philadelphia, the homecoming where Amon was a big hit. Okay. Baby boy showed up fashionably late. But um, yeah, how was your experience at the Bryson Wynn Presents, your second one at this time? Yes, um, it was great. Um, I love the venue. I'd never been there before. I live so close by and I've always walked by that place, but I've never actually been inside. So it was it was nice. Um, I really enjoyed it. Um, 
Got to see so many uh, of these uh, past Survivor and Big Brother contestants who I'm starting to slowly consider friends. Shout out to Jessica. Shout out to Cammy as always. I had a wonderful chat with Ozza. She's so sweet and kind. Uh, you uh, linked me and Russell Swan together. I had no idea that Ron, uh, Russell is also from my hometown, Pittsburgh, where I'm currently recording from. And we got to talking about all of that. And it's so funny, though, because as soon as he said that, I then heard it in his voice. And I was like, oh, my God, I hear it now. But I'd never heard it like on during any of his seasons um, on Survivor. But now that I know, it's like clear as day. I'm like, you sound like a motherfucking Pittsburgh person so and it's yeah. funny because I, I don't hear that oh anytime I hear Russ I be hearing uh, hey everybody it's <laughs> upload Friday shout out to Russ and shout out to Russ can fly on YouTube if you have not checked it out do yourself a favor okay he uploads his videos he's a current pilot now he, I'm supposed to be getting in a plane with him soon I don't know about that <laughs> oh snap where are you going I, I don't know, like, but he says uh, when the weather breaks, because he was saying something about how, like, in the springtime, it's actually not the greatest time uh, to go. I don't know. But soon, because, you know, we're going to go up and fly. We're going to record a, a live podcast or something. But, yeah, I uh, Russ can fly every Friday. And lately, he's been post- posting more stuff. So make sure you subscribe. Show Russell Swan some love. Yes, yes. Shout out to Russell Swan. That was a lovely little conversation that we had. So yes, as always, thank you guys so much for having me there and everything. It was it was great. If you have not been to a Bryson Wen presents, you have to go. It's always just it, the community there is just it's just it's just a good time, and you get to watch everybody's favorite show, Survivor, and and uh, it was a good episode that we had for the for the for that too. So yeah, it was uh, definitely amazing. We had some surprise guests in the building that Amon didn't really get to speak to. But you know, if you came to a if you come to a Bryson Wynn presents, you know the guest list is very giving a lister. And speaking of the Bryson Wynn presents, okay, what better time than the plug? Bryson Wynn presents the finale. Okay, let's watch this historic season together. December 15th, we're heading to Hoboken, New Jersey. Tickets are available and listen to people that are confirming who is scream worthy. The, uh, so, the finale is? Yes. I can't believe it's already coming up. I, mean, I, 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 I guess the season was a little shorter, but damn. But that's another thing I was like curious about. Like, I know the season was shorter in the sense of it's not 39 days, but I'm sure it's still enough material to make it the same. Right. And so I always say this. I'm never really a fan. Like, of course, I'm a fan of the show, but uh, I'm just a little bit more biased to the spring season of Survivor. Maybe it's because that's when my season air. But I always love the spring (laughs) season of Survivor because I feel like it starts when it is kind of cold out and then it ends warmth. So it really kind of speeds up my winter month. And I feel like the the fall one is still kind of nice out and then it ends cold. So I am I'm really looking forward to the spring survivor as well. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I I have a preference between the two. That's interesting. That's an interesting thought. Um, I just like I'm just kind of happy that there's both of them. You know what I mean? Okay. there's that there's two uh, seasons a year and it just keeps things moving along and just adds to the legacy of the show. So many seasons, so many players. So, yeah, I'm yeah, I think I like them both. Yes. So let's get into Brewing this week on the casual team. Let's jump right in. Uh, earlier this week, Amon Allberry's trial, we were delivered some verdicts. 
Um, a jury Wednesday found three white men charged in the killing of Amon Aberi, 25-year-old black man guilty on multiple murder counts as well as other charges. And the defendants each faced the same nine counts and verdicts were as followed. Travis Michael, who fatally shot Aubrey, is guilty on all charges. Malice murder, four counts of felony murder, two counts of aggressive assault and false imprisonment and criminal attempt to commit a felony. And his father, George Michael, who rode armed in the bed of the pickup truck as his son pursued Aubrey, is not guilty on malice murder, but guilty on all other eight charges. And then we have William Bryan Jr., the neighbor who joined the pursuit and filmed Amon's final moments, is guilty on three counts of felony murder, one count of aggressive assault and false imprisonment and criminal attempt to commit felony. Uh, Bryan was cleared on the other charge of malice murder and felony murder involving aggravated assault with a firearm. And so I actually happened to be like driving home when the verdict uh, was being read and my mom called me. We were listening to like I put the car on my Bluetooth and I was listening to it as we were going and I just was nervous. And especially in these type uh, of cases, it's just you just never really know because we know that the judicial system is not really like built for people of color. Um, And that's just a fact. Mm -hmm. So um, and just hearing the fact that, yes, I felt like justice uh, was served and that these men were guilty as they should have been. And it's just it's just crazy um, just to think that, like, you know, how many people have, like, you know, in your neighborhood or, or you know, you're curious and you check things out um, and you go onto a work site or you go somewhere and it's like, does that equal that you get lynched down? Because literally that's what this was, a modern day lynching. Um, So it, it's just so crazy what it's like to be a black man in America. He was a runner like myself. And like I just picture myself running. And if I like it, it's just crazy because. I see myself and um, I'm just glad that justice got it right this time. Yeah, it's uh, I mean, this whole case, I mean, I feel like has been pretty cut and dry um, since it got national attention, which is the scariest thing, right? Is that if this case had Mm. not happened during the entire advent of um, the summer of 2020, right? During that entire storm of racial reckoning, there's a good chance that this case might have gone to the wayside because it had happened in February of 2020. We didn't find out until what, what was it like April, May of 2020? It had been months. It had been months. And yes, I understand that court cases, as we can see, take sometimes an entire year to finish. I'm not saying that the court case would not have happened. What I'm saying is that maybe it had, it probably would not have caught national attention. And I wonder, will we still get the same outcome without all of these eyes on top of it? So, it was very cut and dry for me. I think it was pretty obvious for most people that, look, you heard about a rash of robberies or burglaries in the neighborhood. You assumed that because the suspect or the person that was seen at these robberies or these burglaries was black, that any random black person that was running in the neighborhood had to be a suspect, right? That black skin, that was the only thing that you could go off of. And so you try to do the citizen's arrest. And of course, this person is not going to sit here and be like, oh, um, these people are, I got three men chasing after me in a truck, pointing a shotgun at me. Oh my God. Like, yeah, I'm going to listen, I'm going to listen to whatever these people say. No, he said, I'm going to defend myself because what are you doing? Like, I'm out here running. What are you doing? And then the gun goes off and then somebody's dead. 
all because you thought because he is black he was the person that was doing the ro- the robberies and the burglaries and, and it's go ahead no i just feel like for me it's just like the the privilege of them to think that like you're the law and the jury and that like you know what i mean like that you, you can just stop somebody like what gives you the right none no, and, and, and I'm so glad that they decided to strike down that citizen's arrest law that they did have, because that was the main argument that they had was that, well, we, it was in our legal right to to make a citizen's arrest. Yes, maybe make a citizen's arrest. But if that person decides not to be arrested and to, decides to flee, it is not within your legal right to kill them. OK, unarmed at that. So yeah. come on now. Right. And it's, uh, it's just crazy. And, um, I, you know me, I be in the comments and, I, and like, again, it, it's just like, I feel like our country is just so divided. Um, and you've got like, you know, I ain't even going to entertain, uh, the negative things that I had saw, but I was actually really happy with this judge. I felt like this judge was fair and impartial, um, throughout the case and the snippets that I've, I've seen after, like, you know, at nighttime, I would like kind of turn on the TV and see things. Cause just like, I, I just can't do the news anymore and I can't really do the political pundits like I used to enjoy. Um, it's just very stressful, but I, I had seen this one clip where, um, the defense attorney was basically making uh, making it a scene and trying to make it a thing that like Reverend Jesse Jackson was in the courtroom and Al Sharpton. Um, and I like the judge was very clear, like to the lawyer, like I, I didn't even know that Jesse Jackson was in the courtroom until you repeatedly brought it up. And I don't really like the what you are trying to infer or what you're trying to do with that. And I'm like, yes, yes. shut them the hell down. Like if they want to come support, this is a, a national, a, really a worldwide case. And they, these are leaders in the black community and have fought for civil rights. So yes, they're going to be there and they're being there rather discreetly and quietly sitting in the courtroom. Like what, like the fact that, I just I, the fact that you're even trying to bring that in like to a thing like, no, they're going to be here. People want to see this. We want to ensure that these people get convicted for the murder. That they committed. And it's such a shame that that it had to come to this for that law to sort of, you know, get because that is like, because I mean, let's break down the history of it. Right. Like that law was put in place in Georgia and in, in other states as well. I think it's like around 40 states that have a law that are similar to this where Citizens are allowed to make an arrest or to detain someone who they saw committing a crime, right? Who you saw committing a crime. These three gentlemen did not see him do anything. All they saw was a black man running. That's all they saw. Then some of these states expanded those laws to say, oh, okay, well, people can detain someone who they reasonably suspect of committing a crime. And this, these laws are old. Okay, these are like made in like the 1800s, 1860s. So these were really laws for white men to go ahead and catch black people who they assumed were escaping slaves. Okay, Mm -hmm. that's where this stuff came from. Okay, and that is the that is the that's the predicate by which these people then went and said, okay, we're allowed to do this. We've been allowed to do this for hundreds of years. So no one's going to bat an eye if we, if a gun happens to go off and we kill this black man because we thought he was robbing or burglarizing the houses. Well, did it happen that day, sir? Because right. as, as I understand it, it was 
a string of burglaries that were happening in the area over a course of time. Nothing had happened that day. Right. You go into every single house and saying, oh, did you get robbed today, ma'am? Were you burglarized today, ma'am? No, all you saw was the news saying that there's a sus, that someone's been robbing houses or burglarizing houses. And so then you went out looking. And then you went out on your front porch and you happened to see someone, a, a black man running past. So you just assumed that it was them because that's reasonable to suspect. If the, if the news had said it's a white person mm. that's believed to have, uh, uh, are you just going to go out your house and see the first random, when white person that you see and say, Oh, well, I can reasonably suspect that you were the person doing this because the news said it was a white person. No, you're not going to do that. <laughs> you know, we know why. Right. <laughs> it's just like, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it's so it's so asinine so it's just such a shame that these i'm going to call them what they are slave catching laws listen something like this had like this had to happen for georgia to finally get its head screwed on straight and be like oh okay maybe we should do something about these laws because now somebody done got killed over nothing yeah and even when we talk about like the relationship between people of color and like our law enforcement as it stands today in this country um and how the relationship has always been very negative very high in conflict because when we think about the origin of our police force it comes from slave catchers like so again when when people were are saying reform or defund the police and again you know people want to get up in their bunches like oh my god what like no first of all we're not saying it abolish the police that's not what we're saying we're like re reform and deep like listen if y'all going to be killing black people and feeling like y'all can get away with it like yeah no let's defund the police let's take some money that has been allocated to this department to this and let's put it in the school district let's listen schools get funding right uh how well you do on the standardized testing um yeah let's let's look into these statistics let's look into like how this police department is performing and uh if it's not performing up to code or to to standards of today yeah let's take some money away from that because again i think people forget the origin of police as we know it in this country is built upon slave catching and when you look at it and you see it today, it's very much that that's how they are still treated. That's how we are still treated. When the police pulls you over, like, you know, like for me, I always say this anytime I'm driving, I, I'm my seatbelt on. And I, anytime a police gets behind me, my heart rate automatically spikes. And I feel like I'm doing something wrong. Like, you know, probable cause you j- just all of these things that we see that is put into place in these police um, policies and how they operate. It really is kind of just modified slave catching tactics, in my opinion. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, that it's, that's, yeah, that's what it is. And that's, and that's what has given so many people the, the wherewithal and the gall to do something like this and not really think anything of it. Like it, in you know, I mean, black people. I mean, I mean, we're we're becoming a little bit more populous in this country, but it's. I mean, like I said, there's still very much the minority in a lot of places, which is why it is easy for people to hear something on the news saying that the suspect is black, and then to automatically assume that the black person that you see could be. I remember being in uh, being back home in um or oh, wow, I said back home as in Philly. Wow, I have been converted. <laughs> anyway, um, <laughs> I remember being um at Drexel. And most American college campuses will have some sort of alert system. So if something happens 
a crime is committed on the campus, you'll get um, a, a campus-wide text sent to all the students and staff's phone saying, hey, avoid this area, this happened, blah, 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 blah. And I remember something happened like in between Penn and Drexel's campus. It was like a, it was either a robbery or an assault. And the suspect was a black male, um, young, whatever the hell. Uh, and he fled down for you shoot or whatever. My friend who happened to be around the area. He didn't even go to Penn because this happened on Penn's campus. Drexel student coming back to Drexel's campus probably after. I don't know. He was doing something, shopping, whatever. The police went ahead and stopped him mm. right on the side of the street. And I'm like, <laughs> is not the guy that you're looking for at all. Just because he's black does not mean that he's an automatic suspected. And it's because of the fact that we're so, there's so few of us in a lot of spaces that it's just easy for people to just narrow down. And we have got to change that culture. We have to, because that's, and it's, the, it's the same narrative over and over and over again. And then, like I said, 2020 has really helped a lot of people see that and become more cognizant of that and to understand the gravity of that, where people can just be stopped for whatever reason, just because they are black. It's, it's, you've got to, it's, it's, it's annoying. I, I know people are tired of having this conversation and so are we. Right. So are we. So are we. And there's and no, and there really is no justice here. Like, I mean, I know that people are uh, uh, happy that the fact that these, that these men. But we still lost the innocent brother for he's nothing. He's gone. He's gone. His mother has to mourn that. him. Um, all for what? And kind of like piggybacking off of what you were saying. Um, I also think that it's interesting in this, like, you know, Karen culture that we have. And I think it's, it's, it's interesting. The fact that like, you know, we know the relationship between like police and people of color um, and a lot of other people do. And which is why when these viral Karens uh, go viral, there is like, you know, there are some states that are like talking about potentially putting in a law that if you knowingly call the police in a situation uh, out there because you just want the police out there and you lie about the things. And like, you know, we've seen it time and time again with these videos uh, and people are recording it. And the Karen will be like, and this black man is aggressive or attacking me. And and like, you know what I mean? And it's like, again, it, it goes back to like Emmett Teal uh, and where like, it's almost as if like they use their privilege and the knowledge of we know that if uh, the police come out to the scene and you're a white person and there's a person of color, they're automatically going to take the side. I, I shouldn't say automatically, but more than likely, they're going to listen to what you say. Um, and it's like, yeah, that that should be they should be prosecuted because you are potentially could be killing this person. The police could come out, whatever you tell them, you tell them they're aggressive. You tell them you don't know they got their hands in their pocket. I've seen it time. Waste of resources. Right. But it's the privilege of them to think that they could do that. And it's like, for me, it's like a slap in the face. It's like, you know, the relationship between police and black people. And it's like, you're purposely like it. it, mm. And so that's why, again, I I, like when people are like, I don't like the term care. Like, no, it is what it is. Call the thing a thing. And they know what they're doing. And what they're doing is dangerous to people of color. Yes. Yeah. That's what it comes down to. Right. And we're not so, going to stand for it anymore. Rest in peace, Ahmaud Arbery. My thoughts and prayers and condolences, as I'm sure that family's probably sick of those phrases, um, but my condolences over to that family and to all those people affected by it. And yeah, I, I mean, uh, if these three gentlemen would like to make an appeal, go ahead. I hope that the appeal is just, you know, 
struck out like because right. you did what you did somebody is somebody is gone because you tried you decided to take it into your own hands and we got it yeah we we really have to do a lot i mean you know reforming police but also these 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 laws these citizens arrests that like to deputize deputize normal people into doing mm-hmm. it's like you want this you want you don't want the the the, the police to be defunded um and you want the police to have the ultimate power or whatever um but then you're also taking it upon yourself to do their job it's like pick your battles please right and you know even at a more personal level it starts with like people speaking up like you know people non-people of color if you're in a situation at work somewhere and you, you hear somebody speaking disparagingly or you like stand up say something let them know that like that's not going to be tolerated and um again like all people like well what can i do on my my level that's what you could do be an ally speak up let people know that they are wrong let people know that like you're profiling let like you know and i I think that that you know with a long road hopefully can change and more conversations like this and more people being open and hearing um what it is like to be a black person and seeing these killings it's traumatizing to me i'm a runner it's like you know it's just it's just a lot. But last week, a 12 person jury acquitted Kyle Rittenhouse of all charges related to his shooting and killing two people and injured a third during a Black Lives Matter protest in the summer of 2020. Rittenhouse argued that his actions were self-defense. Um, after deliberating for four days, the jury all agreed not guilty. Um, and I like I had read this article, which was like kind of speaking about um, black moms and like black moms thoughts on the Rittenhouse verdict. Um, and this article was saying that like each of the mothers say that it's far too frequently that they see just how different their own children are treated compared to their white counterparts. And while Rittenhouse lawyer said the case was about self-defense, these mothers say that it was based on their experience, race, based on their experience, race played a role. Their lack of surprise is also a result of other verdicts involving young black victims from Tamir Rice, Trayvon Martin and Michael Brown. And yeah, it's it's like I had the weirdest effect. Like I was not surprised uh, of what the verdict was. And yeah, it's time and time again, we see these people. And I guess I should say like these when it comes to these cases of a black life being taken at the hands of somebody that is non person of color. We see this again as if it's like it's a slap on the hand. It's like, don't do that again, boy. And as if we have our lives don't matter. And again, I'm on this topic, which is why we say black lives matter, because Time and time again, our judicial system treats us like we are less than. And I also just wanted to take a little time to talk about Judge Schroeder in this case, who I felt like was extremely biased. And there were just time and time again, a lot of people were outraged at um, the fact that Kyle's defense team had found this loophole in Wisconsin. Anyone under the age of 18 is prohibited from owning a dangerous weapon. No one disputed that Rittenhouse was 17 when he bought 
the rifle to Kenosha, which could have put him in jail for up to nine months. But Rittenhouse lawyer found a loophole stemming from a bill in 1991, which allows minors to own rifles or shotguns as long as they are not short barreled. Kyle's AR-15 was not short barreled, which was they let him go off of that. Another uh, political pundit had slammed Judge Schroeder um, and his decision to allow Kyle to pick his jewelry and like they put all the names in the thing and he was able to pick it out like I just feel like I don't know I don't know I would have to do a bit more research on that practice because I don't know how if that's something that they just be doing down there in Kenosha maybe that is and we just we're just now all finding out about it because this case is such a, a national thing so I don't really know about that. I mean, I don't really get the point. I think that isn't that the whole point of Wadir is when the lawyers are able to choose from the potential pool of right. judges and then they or um, excuse me, jurors. And then they ask them questions to gauge their their bias or lack thereof. Like, I thought that was the entire point. But I it guess. is. And so they had like the 12 drawers and then Rittenhouse then drew six of the slips uh, with the numbers 1158. 14, 45, 9, and 52. Uh, the rest would go on to decide written house whether or not he was guilty or innocent. So I don't, I think that like the, the 12 juries were picked, but he picked the actual juries that would deliberate. But I just feel like, why even give him that opportunity? I, I just feel like anything could happen or there's just a lot of trickery that could go on with that. Another thing that Judge Schroeder uh, people were upset about was he uh, at one point during the trial um, he stopped prosecutors from referring to Rittenhouse victims as victims. And again like so you think about all of this stuff and like no but they are victims and although the judge can't you know pick the verdict it's little tactics like this that oh don't refer them as victims so then like the empathy of the jury can't like 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 they just regular degla people know they're victims to this killer another thing that the judge did that a lot of political pundits were finding weird was <clears throat> on veterans day judge schroeder brought the jury into the courtroom and asked if any of them was a veteran none of them were Schroeder asked those in the courtroom gallery if any of them were veterans. None of them were. The next day, uh, the defense witness, uh, a use of the, uh, they, they just blacked out his name, but they're just saying John Black. Um, he asked if he was a veteran. He said yes. The judge then requested a round of applause for John Black, a move that the legal experts describe as inappropriate and something that could improperly skew the jury into like having more respect for this witness. And so it's like, like little things like this. And then you already know about the ringtone, having the Trump campaign ringtone ring. We already know about his Asian remark to food that was inappropriate. Then there was like something else in regards to take home instructions and people had an issue with that because then it, it, they felt like they could do other research and table talk amongst the juries, which would not be good, which could be swayed. But all of this, basically, I just felt like, and then you see the photos with the judge looking at magazines with Kyle, like, excuse me, sir. This is not your mentee. This is not your like. And yeah, uh, he definitely the optics are all bad. You definitely should not, as a judge, 
presiding over a case with the defendant be seen hanging out with that's just that well, what are you doing you're, so, you're supposed to be the, the 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 peer of impartiality you should not be spending because why aren't you why aren't there any pics of you hanging out with the with the survivor why like, mm. it, it, it's just that's just strange to me that's just really weird behavior to begin with but to me i think i mean this whole case like i think that it just it, it sort of just goes to show i think what it has in in similarity with the arbory case is that there are so many there are laws that really need to be looking like you know we need to look at these again because the fact that uh you know they were able like the the fact the fact that there was even a citizen's arrest law to begin with that gave gave those three gentlemen an argument to say to begin with hey, we were just making a citizen's arrest all right and now with this one this this whole uh technicality with the length of the barrel of the gun and technically he was 17 at the time and the law in Kenosha says 16 and under. So both he was able to get, they were able to throw that out because the barrel was too long and he was also not under 16. And so I just got to say, let him have been a black man. He would have been looked at as an adult. Like, it's just like the, again, and then all of the political things that I'm reading, uh, the teenager, he, this man is not a teenager. He is an adult. It's, 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 I think I think where the prosecution really went wrong with this one is uh, the first degree intentional murder charge that was never going to stick because you it's on I mean it's it's on video camera of the guy um, attacking him with a skateboard of course with this like I said before when we talked about this before if I see somebody walking around with an AR fifteen or whatever it is I'm not attacking them I'm not going over to them right I'm not, I'm not I'm not I'm not doing that so of course you're they're gonna there's a reasonable way to to argue self-defense if someone comes at you and attempts to take your gun away from you there's a reasonable there's there's of course that was like you're you can't really prove because first degree intentional murder would say he came to Kenosha with the deliberate intention of killing that man and you can't prove that that man came over to him, started, I don't know what happened before then. They got into some kind of altercation. He starts to hit him with a skateboard, tries to take the gun away. He shoots him. So that one to me, I understand that one. What I think is the issue is then he's fleeing the scene, right? Mm-hmm. People are chasing him thinking, oh, this is, they're thinking, oh my goodness, that this person just got shot and this guy's running away. So in their mind, they're like, oh my God, somebody stop him. We got to get this guy. So someone starts chasing him. That guy gets shot and killed. And then he flees that scene. <laughs> and so it's just, but like I said before, this whole thing, it's just, if I feel like these gun laws in particular, there needs to be some sort of regulation because this didn't need to happen. It didn't need to happen. And also, there has to be some sort of, the fact that he came across state lines with a gun, with the intention of what he says, allegedly, is to protect property, property that wasn't his, with a firearm. It's like, <sighs> mm. now, if you're, if you're at, if you're, if you live in Kenosha and you decide to bring out your gun and stand in front of your garage, cause that's what he was protecting. Right? Some, some, somebody's garage, stand in front of your garage to make sure that looters don't come and try to damage your property. I understand that, but it wasn't your property. You really shouldn't have had the gun that you purchased anyway. So I feel like there has to be some level of punishment here. I'm not saying that he has to go away for first degree murder. I'm saying that he has to go away for something. The fact right. that they couldn't nail something down at all is, I think, 
really the prosecution's fault because you went at him with a first degree murder charge, but you were never going to be able to. First degree murder is really hard to prove. You have to prove that, that that shit was premeditated and you can't really prove that when he's being attacked, you know? So I, this case, I think, I, I think, yes, there is, there, there is a lot that people are upset about, especially when it comes to race, because if this were someone that was black, I seriously doubt that he would have gotten off that easily. Mm. And people, people are upset about that. I don't necessarily know if, saying that he needs to get the book thrown in him because if he were black, it would have gotten thrown in him. I don't know if that's the correct thing to do because the whole point is that black people should be having the book thrown at them to begin with. We need to right. do something about changing that. So I, I think I, I think that this whole thing was just a perfect storm of mess. I think that he def, definitely deserves to have been put away for something because he shouldn't have had the gun. He shouldn't have been there. Like, why right. is he there? But yeah, and for me, and... I agree with everything that you're saying. It just get like, I just feel like this gives others permission. You know what I mean? It'd be like, we can get away with it. And again, I feel like in the eyes of the law, a, a white man with a gun is looked at like a teenager. And in the eyes of the law, a black man, like a black teenager with a gun is looked at like a criminal thug that needs to get locked up. And I think that that for me really is what is so bothering about the case is the perception is the perception of, you know, a lot of the people that uh, agree with this. It, it's just like the, the fact that you can see him differently. The fact that they're like, oh, his life shouldn't be ruined because of this. It shouldn't. But yet, on the other hand, he had some like look. He made the decision to do what he did, right? He made the decision. He 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 did what he did, and I think that there. I mean, you can't. Yeah, it's just it's like it's exhausting. Uh, but for people like you and I, we see what it is. Um, and the fact that he's like being lauded and paraded around and. People leaving the courtroom with smiles. Uh, People are offering him congressional uh, uh, internships. I'm just like, that's another thing with this. It's like, this is, this is not, this is not the case that you want. This is not, this is not the person that you would like to, that you should be parading around as like this mark. But what does that say though? Like they, they they know what it represents. And that's why they're parading him around. And again, for me, that's why it's a slap in the face again. Like they, mm, that, they mm. want, they want, they want to, to characterize all of these Black Lives Matter protests as um, strictly riots and, and looting and violence. And they want to, they, 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 they the but the insurrection was just paid to the, the insurrection was just good patriots. Yeah. Uh, like, you know what I mean? Like, it's just like, uh, I'm tired of looking at the same effing photo and like seeing what it is, but through the eyes of others, it's like, oh, these are patriots. But then they want to say the Black Lives Matter protests, they're thugs and vandalizing and looting. I'm like, what's the point? Like, it's like, make it make sense. Yeah. It's your glasses broke. You want me to do an eye exam? So like you, you know, like wrong is wrong, right is right, and I feel like that's just the bottom line. Um, but some people's wrong is some people's right, and it's just it's just really frustrating. People, I mean, just I mean, like, well, we have a lot of gun fanatics in this country, and I won't even say gun fanatics. We have, I mean, there's a strong American value in the right to defend yourself, right? The the right to bear arms, the right to have something. 
that can you that you can use to protect yourself with. It is one of the <laughs> oldest. It's the se- yes. it's only the second thing that we put down. Let, the can, second thing that we put can down. I, After um, speech, we were like, now put the guns down. Like, can no. I? <laughs> it's crazy. Can I also just add something that um, weighs heavily on my spirit? Um, and again, why? with like the NRA and why would people that are like, you know, my constitution, right. For me, why it is off putting when I see people like that is because like you said, right. It's, it's a foundation. It's something that's embedded in our foundation that what, like the right to bear arms to what, to protect yourself and to protect what property, right? Mm -hmm. Property. And so, like we were saying, the origin of policing was slave catching, right? Mm -hmm. And so the origin of this country is that slaves were considered property. So it's like for some people that don't understand like where this correlation or where this connection from, it's like, just let that sink in. And that for me is why, like I, I read between a lot. I, I see it for what it is. And that's why for me, when I like when people are so pro gun and so like for me, it's not just on the gun. Anybody like you guys own a gun, but like, but for me, it, it's the undertone that makes me uncomfortable. It's the undertone for me that is disrespectful. It's the undertone for me that really kind of like it's a way for people to and I'm not saying all, but I'm just saying like I feel like people forget that undertone that like, you know, oh, I bear my right to pick property. But at the time of this conception, we were looked at as property. And so like here we are today. And it's like mm, you ugh, you just. Yeah. But I just wanted to make that point. We just yeah, we just need more. We just we just need more reform. Like I, like I said, I have no problem with people having guns. They personally scare me to death. I feel like I would end up shooting myself before I shot ever shot anybody else. So I just don't see myself ever owning a gun. That being said, if you would like to have a gun, because you know there are people that live in areas um, where they feel more protected, right? Which I think is another issue. I feel like. I feel like the fact that, I mean, because uh, I mean, it's, it's in some places, I'm not saying all, because some people just like to have guns because they like to have guns. Some people just like guns. They just, right. you know, some people like cars, some people like guns. They just like artillery. They like that stuff. It's just, it's what, it's just what gets them going, I guess. Um, but I feel like there are, there are, there are some places where people only feel the need to have a gun because everybody else has a gun. Mm-hmm. And that to me is like, that's where I'm like, this is where it starts to get. Mm. Welcome I to Philadelphia. Like we have to change the culture around it because if I didn't like, if I didn't feel like I was going to get my blo- my head blown off, then maybe I wouldn't feel like I need to blow off somebody else's head. You know, like I just that to me is where I feel like we go we go wrong in so many instances, and we saw it sort of play out with the whole thing with Kyle Rittenhouse. Like he shot somebody because they attacked him. Fine, he that per- he then fled, then he ran. Somebody else tried to catch him. He shot that person. Then a, a, another armed person was like, oh, my God, this is an active shooter. This guy didn't shot this person. Now he's running away. He pulls out his gun to shoot him. And it's like, then it's just a, it's a big. And then what happens when the police show up? Who do they who do they shoot first? That. Uh, uh, so it's like it's 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 a mess, y'all. It's a mess. And until we are able to sit here and have a conversation about how it's a mess without people being like, you're trying to take our guns away. It's, this is my Second Amendment. Right. Like no one wants to do that. No one wants to do that. It's not going to happen. First of all, like I said, it is the second thing that we put down on that paper. Well, I won't say we it was the second thing that the white people put down on that paper. Mm. Like, like it's like, so it's not it's not going anywhere. Okay, so before the right to education, 
before the right to to to, to housing or whatever, we said you have the right to buy a gun, bitch. <laughs> so <laughs> if that doesn't tell you the priorities are already messed up, like that, I don't know what will. Okay. Right. Yeah. But enough of this, because it like weighs heavily on my spirit. And like always in a conversation like this, I appreciate the Purple Pants Posse for listening and understanding our perspective. You know, just our take on it. Um, You can agree to disagree. Like, you know, that's a part of it. And I also just appreciate anybody that uh reached out to me and basically said, like, you know, through our last conversation of this, like, you looked at it a different way and you didn't necessarily think of that from that perspective. And I appreciate that. And I, again, is the point and the conception of the casual tea um, is to, to hear other sides and hear our unique perspective on something. Um, and I, I think that like, yeah, that's a part of the problem is that people don't hear other people. You know, people just are screaming and not really hearing each other. But keeping the teapot boiling Want to put Wendy Williams up on here. It's been a lot going on with Wendy. I feel like we talked about her before when her Lifetime movie came out. You know, her husband, Kevin, with this baby. Uh, but a Wendy Williams talk show reign is reportedly coming to an official end following months of her health struggle. And an anonymous source uh, reportedly said that the, Willie, the Wendy Williams talk show host who has been on hiatus from her talk show since September amid a lot of health complications will never return to the show and they are searching for a permanent replacement um there have been a lot of combinations of Wendy Williams health um and we and her personal life what I also think is interesting is that uh you know it's when September came and like August they were like you revving revving up for the show saying that she was going to be coming back. Then, you know, a week before the show, they said, oh, Wendy will be back in like another week. And they postponed and postponed it. Then they just started having guest hosts come on because the Wendy Williams show is a money-making machine. And what is interesting is that no one expected the ratings to go up 32% without Wendy Williams on. And so now with these rumors of Wendy Williams may not be healthy enough to return to the show and she's hanging up her hat, there is... They've been a lot of different guests on the show and the front runner uh, who has tested well with the show's audience and is going to be, I feel like, uh, hosting the show December 13th through the 17th is Sherry Shepard. Now, before we even get to Sherry Shepard, there also have been a lot of rumors circulating that she is showing early signs of dementia, that she, due to her lymphedema, she's in a wheelchair and not walking. However, Wendy Williams' brother, Tommy Williams, took no time to take to his YouTube uh, to debunk the rumors saying uh, about Wendy having early signs of dementia um, and being confined to a wheelchair. He says that that's not true um, and that, you know, he's talked to his sister about her not returning um, and that, like, you know, she is looking towards life after the show. Now, I just take that what the brother said with a grain of salt because we also know when Wendy Williams' father died, he took to his YouTube to basically say that Wendy was lying. She wasn't at the funeral. All of this stuff. Like, this, like first of all, sir, you're not her spokesperson. So, I, like, I don't need, like, 
when did y'all patch things up? Like, anyway, so I just, I take a lot of what the brother is saying with a grain of salt, but it makes me sad because, yeah, like, whether you love or hate Wendy Williams, I think she is a black woman in this male dominated industry has killed the radio game has gone on to television which they said that she would never be able to like make the transition from radio to television she did it she killed it Um, but you know a lot of demons a lot of things going on personal and I don't know whether or not I don't know what the health complications are Um, I just hope for that she's well but, you know, we see all the headlines. We, we, we watch the documentary. We watch the Lifetime movie. You know, yeah. Like, I can only imagine, like, how I would cope if, like, you know, my husband is berating around his pregnant side chick and he bought a million dollar house around the corner. Like, that pushed me to, like, I, so I don't know. Um, but yeah. it is sad to see. Yeah, she's been going through a lot, and I, I am, uh, I'm sad to see it as well. I don't um really watch too much Wendy. I catch a lot of this stuff on on YouTube. Like if there's a topic that she's bringing up that I I want to hear her talk about, I'll, I'll I'll put it on. And I I enjoy her for the most part. She's messy. I think sometimes she does it on purpose just because she's she's just she's a messy queen that loves drama. Right. Um. But I also think that she's very much she's very aware of that as well. I don't think that she tries to pretend to be anybody that she's not. Like even when she was going through it the thick of it with her husband and her son um, and, you know, the paparazzi were all in her face and she was like, hey, like, I understand, like, I would just appreciate it if y'all gave us just a little bit of privacy. I understand. I don't usually give celebrities privacy, so I, I understand, but I want you guys to know that we're doing fine. Like, so I've always appreciated that she is very much aware. She doesn't try to pretend to be above it all because she's <laughs> she's had her own things going on. Right. Um, And I... I don't know. I mean, we've been seeing all these reports about how, oh, people expected the show's ratings to decrease because uh, Wendy's not there. But actually, it's the opposite. It's like, I don't necessarily know if that's because people are glad that Wendy's gone. I think there's just like some voyeurism going on here. I think that people like Dr. Phil hosted. So people are like, oh, let me tune in to see what Dr. Phil right. does on the Wendy show. You know what I mean? I think that's why the, the ratings are up is because there are so many different people that are tuning in because they want to know what the hell's going on with Wendy, you know? Right. So that's why I think they went up. I don't think it has anything to do with Wendy being gone. I think it's just, you know, people just are just curious about the situation. And I would be, I would be sad to see her go because I think that she has become such a major daytime staple. Um, one of the few, like, so like she's I mean it's it's a hard job. I think people really underestimate how hard of a job that is to do to just be able to talk, 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 talk about anything and everything. It's if every day, you know, right. it's, it's a very hard job to have. And so I just hope that whatever's going on with her, she pulls through. If she does decide, you know what, my health is more important and maybe that means that I cannot continue hosting the show, then more power to her. I just want her to get well because you know, I, one thing that I always appreciated about Wendy is like how honest she has been about her struggles with addiction. And, and and all of that. And I think one of the most realest and rawest moments we ever saw from her was the moment that, you know, Whitney Houston passed and she had mm-hmm. talked about it on the show afterwards. And you just realized just, you know, yeah, there was so much of a similarity between the two. And so I just hope that if this has anything to do with her addiction or even if it doesn't, I just hope that she's able to just pull through and just be as healthy as possible. And that's all we can really hope, you know? Yeah. Which is why I always say it's so important to give people their flowers while they're here. Not that she's gone, but yeah, it's just important to give people their flowers. Um, and I think that she has done a great job 
And it's not easy to be a host. It's not easy to show up and be your authentic self. It's not easy to always be on a hundred. It's not easy to be vulnerable. It's not easy. You, you know, think of all of the, the stuff that we deal with in our own private life and for like to then still go to work, uh, and knowing that, yeah, it's a lot. And so I, yeah, me as well, wishing her health is really just what health and happiness. And I, I hope that um she finds that peace. And, you know, we all are struggling to find that balance of happiness and health. And, you know, it, it could be any one of us, honestly, like, you know, I, who knows what the tipping scale for someone is. And so that's why I always just choose to lead with love and empathy. And so I am, I'm hoping for my selfish needs that, you know, you return to the show. If you don't, I'm just hoping that you're happy and healthy. You still going to get the bag, still your show, still your production company. So, um, I ain't mad at that. Uh, ownership is key and she own her. So I, um, you know, and if Sherry Shepard takes over, you know, I like Sherry. She's fine. I mean, she's, she's, she's okay. She's not Wendy, but she's fine, I guess. <laughs> like, look, like I said, I don't really watch the show, so <laughs> I don't really know, but like, I mean, nobody's going to do it like Wendy. You know? I mean, yeah, right. And so that was another thing, like, you know, like you were saying with like the voyeurism and stuff, like, people love talk shows. She's slated for like the top spot of a talk show. So, like, people are going to watch you know mm-hmm. I feel like the view the real the talk like they all the same format like so people are going to watch so it's just really about finding somebody I guess that is close enough that her niche audience can appreciate nobody going to do it like Wendy but I think we can find somebody better than Sherry Shepard <laughs> why you think she's just not like she's I don't know I just ain't really been enough. I ain't been a fan of her on the view I wasn't really a fan of her with the like the wedding the baby scheme I don't know I just I can, I can agree I think like I said I think she's fine and I, and I mean it in a very literal sense like I think that she's I think that she's obviously charismatic and people like her I don't know if the Wendy show is correct spot because I feel like you need someone who's willing to get down and dirty you know what I mean and I feel like Sherry is a little bit more like the refined edge which is fine you know like that's that's right. I mean, I, I think I think that I would enjoy just watching Sherry Shepard on her own. And we not would just as, <laughs> not. I think, but not as like it would have to be the Sherry Shepard show. Well, and that Wendy. was another thing. Like, will there be rebranding if the person is permanently taking over the show? Ain't it weird to come out like this is the Mon Alwyn show? Hey guys, I'm your host. Like, I think that's weird. So I wonder if there will be like rebranding of the show. Yeah, there. Were, I mean, I think that it would really have to be unless you were willing to find someone who is on par with Wendy or you find an unknown I guess that's on par with Wendy I think it's going to be hard for people to I mean because it's I mean it's Wendy is like like I said she is not afraid to you know say what's on her mind and talk her stuff and sometimes go off the wall a little bit and just be a little messy and and it's that's kind of hard to find that's actually entertaining most of the time and not like you know wanting to cancel her it's just right And so in the same breath, let me give my flowers to this black queen, Sherry Shepard. I'm curious to see, you know, like who knows, like we might be able, we might see a different side of her and we might be like, oh, wow. Like, so I just, um, she just ain't my topic, but I, um, I'm curious to see what she will do if and when all of these rumors are true. 
then keeping keeping the tea pot boiling, keeping the tea pot boiling. Um, <laughs> Aman Schubert. Now, am I saying his name wrong? I know I'm saying it. You all know me. I butcher a name. How Iman. you say Iman? And I, is it Schubert? I don't know. This is the first time that I'm hearing about this person. No, you lying. I don't watch Dancing with the Stars. I mean, I don't watch Dancing with the Stars either, but I know Iman. I'm saying it right. Iman, right? I know the model Iman. Well, anyway, Iman <laughs> Schuper, who I really know him as Tiana Taylor's very attractive uh, husband, um, who is a oh, former. Well, I yes. Was. I didn't know that was his name, though. Yeah, that's, uh, you just knew him as, Tiana. so we should we just refer to him as Tiana Taylor's husband <laughs> for the rest of the podcast? Well, he was on Dancing with the Stars and he ended up winning. Now, mind you, the last time I watch Dancing with the Stars, I'm about to age myself, is when Lil' Kim got out of jail and she was robbed of the title. Okay, because Little Kim was killing it. But I would see the clips on the shade room and different um media outlets where he was really killing it. And uh, I loved it. A lot of the times, because mind you, my mom watched Dancing with the Stars. A lot of the times the pro athletes always surprised people like they could dance. Just because they big and tall don't mean they can't dance. Um, so <laughs> He won Dancing with the Stars. I just thought it was teapot newsworthy. Um and Iman is not done with the NBA. The NBA free agent guard made history this week, becoming the season 30 winner of Dancing with the Stars. And he said he's looking forward to returning to the court. Um, he's trying to see what he can get done. He says, I love basketball. I never stopped. Uh, he told TMZ while in New York following his ballroom win. He said the one thing about Dancing with the Stars that annoyed me was that they called me former or ex. He said, but I told the league they just didn't pay me this year. It's not an X thing. Me and the league didn't break up. Um, and he is looking to get back into the league. So another thing that people always said, but like dancing with the stars type of show, it is like, how do I say this? It's like, it ain't really for the A-list celebrities. If you catch what I'm putting down, it's more for like the C and D list celebrities that, uh, maybe we're A-list and now they see a D and they want to kind of like reprise. I always heard people like referring to it as a <clears throat> like a after your peak and like you know just you. so but there are there have been big names on it and they have been able to like it hasn't dimmed their light in that sense they've been able to use the platform to catapult it at, uh, but like you know you ain't going to catch no Beyonce on Dancing with the Stars is basically what I'm saying so I am interested in the fact that he's like Okay, you're doing these interviews and like you're talking about the NBA. Sir, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I just, I'm gonna just leave it at that. Like, that's what you're using this with the stars with to get the NBA attention. Well, did you like his, did you like the fact that he won? <laughs> I mean, I did. No, I was very happy, but I just, I just feel like, <laughs> I don't know. Like, the first thing that you had plight with is that, like, you know, I'm not XR. Like, they just didn't pay me this year. Um, I don't know whether or not you were good or not. You know, maybe on my next play by play, we'll have to ask Joey Hatch about that. Uh, but kudos to him. Shout out to, to Tiana Taylor. She just was in Philly the other day and I didn't go and I had to sell my tickets. Uh, but Aww. you know, kudos to him. If anybody that watched Dancing with the Stars. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't watch, but a, a <laughs> lot of people were super, super uh, happy.
happy and they loved it. Um, so I guess all I saw on my Twitter that night was, Oh my God, Iman. Oh my God. Right. I was like, all right. <laughs> if y'all like it, I love it. I might have to catch, catch the final dance, whatever they did. Um, and then, okay, keeping it on the basketball, LeBron James, LeBron James, LeBron James, baby boy has been making headlines. Okay. All throughout this week, uh, LeBron James got two fans sitting courtside at the Pacers game, uh, ejected after pointing to them, after pointing them out on the officials. But before that, LeBron James, I don't know why I kept LeBron James, um, LeBron James, LeBron James. he was fined $15,000, uh, for this overtly like gesture that he did after he won the game between the Pacers and overtime. So they had fined him and the Lakers, I think $15,000. And then earlier in the week, child, uh, LeBron was, he was ejected uh, from the game because he had this altercation um yeah he had this altercation where he elbowed what's the guy name uh, <laughs> <laughs> don't do that Hold, listen this, i this just want to know what obscene gesture he made so i it's like this um i'm trying to pull it up um and you know mind you i had my notes ready um, but yeah, uh, LeBron James celebrated on Thursday a overtime victory over the Indiana Pacers has landed the Los Angeles Laker forward with a fine from the NBA. The $15,000 punishment was handed to James for making an obscene gesture on the playing field, said the NBA in a statement on Friday. The incident occurred with one minute and 17 seconds remaining in the fourth quarter. The Lakers 124 to 116 Damn, overtime. Wait, so he was winning and it was at the very end of the game. <laughs> so yeah, it was like it was a gesture like he won and I think he like grabbed his groin or crotch or something. Um, <laughs> James made the gesture after making a deep three point shot. Okay. Uh, the NBA has consistently fined players 15 to $25,000 per, for performing a routine popularized, popular by the NBA star Sam Cassell when he was playing for the Milwaukee Bucks uh, reported. Okay. Now also... Uh, last week, James was uh, ejected after his elbow bloodied the eye of Detroit Pistons player Isaiah Stewart. The altercation okay. yeah, then sparked yeah. Yeah, a controversy uh, reaction from Stewart and an on-the-court shuffle. It was about to give mayhem in the palace again. Um, Stewart was subsequently hit with a two-game suspension without pay by the NBA for escalating the situation and for repeatedly and aggressively pursuing James, who himself received a one-game ban for the first time in his 19 year career in the NBA for recklessly hitting the Piston Center. First of all, LeBron James been in the, uh, the NBA for 19 years. I mean, that that's that sounds about right. I was thinking about that the other day, I, I, not the other day, actually at the beginning of um, 2020 when um, when we lost uh, Kobe Bryant. Um, 
may he rest in peace. Yes. PG and all the rest of the people on the plane or the helicopter rather. Um, I was thinking, I was like, oh my goodness, like I've been hearing his name for so long. And then I thought about LeBron James. I, like, I still remember being a kid and having those, you remember those, uh, what was that gum brand called? It was like Hubba Bubba, I think. Mm-hmm. And it was like a special LeBron James flavor that was like raspberry and lemon. I was like, I remember being like eight years old in the store and that stuff would be like 25 cents. And I was like, oh my God, how long has this man been playing? But he's been around for ever it's yeah it's crazy i remember when he was like a rookie and um they were always projecting him to be so good like but i just like it it ain't well listen it could be 20 it could be 20 nba years but it's not 20 bryce isaiah years that's all i'm gonna say it's only been about seven because there's no way i was the age that i was at when i remember that and i'm adding 2019 to it no do the math again no, it okay. was Bubblicious. Oh my God. I Not you back when the Bubblicious. And was, I'm trying. It was a big sale. I'm selling one on eBay for $60. And I'm oh my God. considering buying it. It came out in 2004. Not the Bubblicious gum that would lose flavor the second you got it moist and soft. It was right. Ra- no, this gum was so good, Bryce. I loved it. I Not wait, so hold on. Bubblicious was the kind that came in like the blocks and it came in like that long thing. Yes. And it, they would have like, yes. okay, all right, yes. okay. No, Bubblicious was good. They had like the watermelon flavor, the. Yes. Yeah. Okay, I remember that. But here's the thing. <laughs> So the flavor still didn't last that long. And it didn't, it didn't, but it was still good. It would hurt your jaw after a while. Ah, ah, ah. <laughs> now you got my mouth watering for some oh bubblicious gum. Is, wait, hold on. This is some messed up pricing. They got a 10 pack on eBay for $60. But and somebody is selling like the regular, like five pack for $90. Like make that make sense. But they still sell. Did bubblicious go out of business or something? I feel like I still I, see it in the grocery store. Or they either went out of business or they no longer sell the LeBron, which would make sense. But here's my thing that gum probably nasty now. It might be. I mean, gum lasts a long time. I mean, I mean, I guess. Yeah. Well, speaking of uh, long time and things that change, the company, one of America's last remaining true dollar store, Okay, everybody knows about Dollar Tree or the Dollar Store. Wait, what's the name of it? Hold on, Dollar Tree, Dollar Tree, Dollar, 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 Dollar Tree. Um, where am I at? Said on Tuesday it will raise prices from one dollar to a dollar twenty-five on the majority of its projects by the first quarter of 2022. The change is a sign of the pressures low-cost retailers face holding down prices during a period of rise of inflation. Dollar Tree said in its quarterly earning released Tuesday that the decision to raise the prices to 125 permanently, however, was not a reaction to short-term or transgressionary market conditions. Selling stuff strictly for a dollar hampered Dollar Tree. The company... (laughs) Made that make sense. Selling stuff strictly for a dollar hampered Dollar Tree. So why name it Dollar Tree? (laughs) They tried, Bryce. They tried. They're the last one to do this, though. Like They they have been keeping their dollar price for, like, what, like 40 years (laughs) And now it's it's not their fault. It's the economy. But I'm just saying, I just feel like, like, but for them to say, like, selling stuff strictly hampered uh, Dollar Tree. Bitch, you lying. But anyway, uh, the company's the stuff that they used to I'm, sell for is now more expensive. True, true. The company said um, 
and forced they were forced to stop selling some of the customer favorites. So rising uh, raising the price will give Dollar Tree more flexibility to reintroduce those customers. First of all, what's a customer favorite at the dollar store? Everything. <laughs> Everything, everything's a dollar. So here's another thing that I have to say is that like, but the dollar store ain't really been a dollar. Okay. It'd be like a dollar 15. So really y'all just raising it 10 cents. I thought they were saying the Dollar Tree still had the dollar price. Like the Dollar no. General rose up, the Dollar Store. Yeah, mind you, I love, I love a Family Dollar. Family Dollar rose mm. up. Well, Family Dollar was never a dollar store. Uh, but mind you, I always feel like, mind you, my friend Sarah hates this because I love Family Dollars. But first of all, why are all the Family Dollars like the same? They're always like in like a questionable part of town. The aisles are never stocked. The employees are never really that pleasant. But I love it. Let me tell you, at the beginning of the pandemic, the family dollar was my listen it, it's it's I like bought up all the robin listen i i get my little oils from there i be getting my little bath mats i be getting they froze like i love family dollar literally during the pandemic i would yeah. <laughs> i yeah. want to say but i probably would go to a uh, family dollar at least three times a week just to walk the aisles and see like see what i see uh, but yeah, but with taxes, it never really was a dollar. Uh, so I mean, I get it. People used to say the movies used to be twenty five cents. Now they damn near thirty dollars to go. If the so, movies were twenty five cents, oh my god! Like I would have seen all the Oscar nominated films ten times over each year. <laughs> get you a fire stick, uh, no, but. <laughs> It is interesting because y'all know me. I do my comment surf. And, you know, when I've seen a bunch of these places posted, for me, it was like, it's Biden's fault. But, like, you know, he's ruined. Like, I, I'm like, <laughs> everything Biden fought. Uh, I just thought that was interesting that, that it's a very like if you look at any of these posts that post it and get into the comments it's definitely this like oh my god when President Trump would have never done that like I, times change <laughs> the, the, the price like okay we was just talking about Bubblicious <laughs> like if you just don't like President Biden just say that like you know like uh, blaming the family dollar on him okay all right <laughs> Dollar Tree. But honestly, I do want to know what is their customer favorites that they cannot like, you know, and I, I hope it's probably everything, like anything that you can think of, like all the lotions and detergents. Uh, and I hope it ain't the ground beef. There is this one video. Whole yes, yes, they sell ground beef and they sell steak. And there's this one girl on uh, Facebook. She's got like a million followers and she on TikTok where... um. She always makes things like she like made this like uh can like turkey can like she had found a um back from like the war like I don't even know if it was like the Vietnam War where they had like turkey in a can and she made the tur like you uh, so mind you she had made like the steak from Dollar Tree. Oh. Listen, child. Now mind you, oh. I will now one of the things that I do get from the dollar store. When it's not a pay week, is I will buy the bacon though. Okay, I'll grab me up a bacon for a dollar because bacon is so expensive. It's literally like the other day in the store, it was like seven fifty. I know you lying. Wow. Yep, and that's why I the shop ground, at. I am looking at this. Yes, they they have ground beef. They've got steak. They got a lot of stuff. 
So may, maybe that's the customer favorites. I don't know. But <laughs> yes, it's real. Okay. I used to love the dollar store as a child, though. I would just, you know, I would feel like this is my place. This is my people. This is somewhere I can afford. And, you know, whenever I like I move, whenever I move and, you know, you like you always get a little trash can from the dollar store, buy a little ham, like, you know, all of that. We Like, so I love a good dollar store. So, listen, if you got to go to Dollar 25, <gasps> Dollar Tree, do what you got to do while Amon is gagging over this ground beef oh at the dollar God. store. It looks like, I mean, oh, my God. I mean, <laughs> yes. Let me not shit on this because some people be doing this stuff. So it's fine. But I just, I'm just, I, I would be so afraid of what I'm mm-hmm. putting. That's body. why I want to, um, that's why I want to meatloaf be so good. It's the Dollar Tree, uh, ground beef. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> well, I'm glad that it's going up to a dollar twenty five. Oh, don't do that. Well, <laughs> As Aman is still gathering himself on some bubblicious and some Dollar Tree ground beef that is going to conclude this week's casual tea. As always, we appreciate you guys for listening. You know, it's one of the Purple Pants podcast favorites. And so maybe we'll do some video sometime. I keep telling Aman that like next time we record. We should do it on video. But I'm, I'm like, I'm in Pittsburgh. It's snowing. It's the holiday season. I've got Mariah Carey on. I said, okay, I'm on. <laughs> I didn't say all that. I didn't. <laughs> I'm in Pittsburgh. Oh, but we can do it next time. I don't think I'm, uh, I'm doing anything next weekend. All right. Well, you know, Purple Pants Posse, let us know if we should, you know, give you a video as well. But do you have anything cooking? What you got up to Amon before we go? This article says, first and foremost, you're probably wondering where on earth the meat comes from (laughs) at a Dollar Tree to be sold for a buck. Actually, the meat, which comes individually packaged, is supplied by the brand Stampede, which is also sold in other major retailers, but in larger portions. Okay. All right. Okay. Let's know a little better about that. I don't know if I want to buy any ground beef that comes from a a company named Stampede. It's like you just get the meat off the side of the, like you just choosing the cows that get ran over. But I mean, honestly, I've seen enough documentaries about uh, the cattle and how they treat them that like child is the regular. No. Could the regular ground beef be any better? I experimented with a little veganism uh, a couple weeks ago, and it actually wasn't that bad. I'm so I'm thinking about slowly introducing more vegan uh, options into my diet. I don't know if I'll ever fully give up all animal products because i don't know chicken and butter those are the two things that i'm like i don't know about that man right butter (laughs) butter isn't everything and chicken is the meat that i consume the most so i would have to i think that i'll be able to wean myself off of beef because i don't really eat that much and pork um and possibly even turkey but like fish and chicken mm, that's gonna be hard for me Mm. so i agree but anyway you asked me how what i got going on (laughs) Stampede. Um, yeah, I got Stampede going on. Um, I'm good. I um, uh, Nothing much. I'm just, uh, I'm still on Twitch reading some Harry Potter. I haven't been able to do so because of, you know, Thanksgiving and everything, but I'll be Pittsburgh. back. <laughs> I'll be back on Thursday with that stuff. And um, I'm just excited to get into the holiday season and got lots of activities planned and parties and shit like that. And I cannot wait to go and see Lady Gaga in this new House of Gucci, House of Gucci film. I've been hearing that she's really, really good in it, so I'm probably going to do that sometime this week. And uh, yeah, that's that's it for me. Yes. Well, all right, guys. This has been your casualty. With a morning beer.
Excuse me. Brought to you by Stampede Meats. <laughs> Keep it the menu rolling. Keep it the menu rolling. Keep it the menu rolling. Keep, 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 keep it rolling. And we are back with our final ride of Real Housewives of Potomac. And of course, I had to bring my good, good Judy on duty. Dr. Jatia Hart-Taylor, welcome back to the podcast. Hello. I am so happy to be here. So, like, I was just going to wrap it after episode two, but episode four was really, it needs to be talked about. Episode three was, you know, the the buildup. Episode four brought it. So I had to bring it back. I had to drive back here. Oh, not drive back. Drive back acapella or drive back? The acapella version that is number 24 on the imaginary oh. R&B <laughs> billboard charts. Don't do that because we will get into that. But... The season finale, part four. Okay, normally Housewives, they get a three-part reunion. Yes, and this, they had to, it was so shady that they had to go ahead and make part four. I enjoyed yeah. it. I actually, you know, I'm not a Nicki Minaj fan, but Me I will neither. say I enjoyed it in the essence that Nicki Minaj is a black woman, and I, she can just ask these women different questions and she could grill these women in a way that a Andy Conda cannot. Yes. So I agreed. I thought this was the juiciest part because I felt like, yeah, she could ask questions. Well, first of all, she's not there all the time. So she's a special presence. And I think they're a little bit intimidated. And plus they don't want it from the barbs. If they go too hard and don't answer the question, they know the whole of Twitter is coming after them. Um, And also Nikki's not afraid to just like ask the questions that everybody's thinking I thought she did really well actually you know because she didn't go like so hard on them that they just turned off um so I was actually impressed by her interviewing skills actually uh I mean I wouldn't say it's the interview skills for me it was the fact that she's not a celebrity that's like oh my god I watched the show I love it like you could tell she watched the show and it was as if a fan was asking the questions. That's the part that I enjoyed the most. Not so much that it was Nicki Minaj. But a fan, they could have been like, girl, go by. Go back to your little stank I mean, right. They weren't so, going to do that to Nicki Minaj. So I no. think they did have to do it. And also, Nicki could be quite spicy. And I think mm. she knew when to like back down a little bit to get them to answer her questions. Anyway, we both agreed that she did a great job. Yeah, I, no doubt I think that... <laughs> And I actually was not loving it either. I was like, Nicki Minaj, but it turned out really good. Yeah, no, and I, I, for me, it almost, it almost has me questioning for Potomac and Atlanta. Should maybe they change the format of like? I don't know. I just felt like Nicki Minaj could like dig in and uh, yeah. ask follow up questions and ask follow up questions and be like Row! and in get a way that, side eye and ask like you know questions that were lo- a little bit more probing and pressing that Andy couldn't do because we'd be like get off of it Andy right uh, or we'd be like is that appropriate for you to be asking Correct. you know right. but as a fan of the show it's like how we talk on the podcast how I talk to my friends about it so it was somewhat refreshing yes yes so we should just jump straight on in to what Miss Nikki was talking about. So she goes directly in on Ashley and essentially, like, again, as fans that we have said, 
Not much of a storyline. And like I said before, Ashley's position on the couch very much so says that. Boo, she just had a baby. Okay, look, let me tell you something. You ain't got to have a storyline when you got a cute little baby. Okay, so she can lug her breast milk and her big old milk-filled titties wherever she want to, and I will watch it. I thought it was great that Michael largely stayed out of trouble. Um, and I agree with her that, you know, she did, she didn't know what was going on and she was wondering why people was pussyfooting around and how was she to know that Wendy was going to act like a jerk? Yeah, but it was just like the fans were like, I, I never thought I, I did. I didn't get the optics that like she just went on on that particular trip just to start trouble. I felt like Ashley was being Ashley and like Ashley said to Nikki, I've been on here for six years. Like my story arc speaks for itself. Yes, mama, two babies, a divorce scandal, a comeback. Uh, like she already had a restaurant, a mother issue, finding your dad, you know, being all up in everybody's business. Then your man wanted to suck some other man's who he he. Lest we forget about the booty grabbing uh, catastrophe, right? It was the casino overnight. It was the booty grabbing. It was the the dick sucking reference. It was like all of that. Like it was the Monique's camera in the basement going out. Look, Mike, Mike, Michael might deserve a freaking housewives spot himself. Okay, listen, he is up there with Patricia. (laughs) Shut up. Um, and, and so it was just interesting, like her line of questionings. And, however, I will say Ashley fired back and Ashley was like ready and available to handle it. Then the questions kind of sort of like pivoted to, I want to say Robin. And, you know, she was asking Robin if her and Juan were having a little more intimate time because he seemed happy. Then she got on the question of like, People say you are Giselle's, you puppet. know, puppet. Uh, and then there was something at the the big event where Wendy went off and Robin was like, are we mad at Wendy? And Nikki was oh, like, oh, she was saying that you shouldn't be saying we because it sounds like you are being controlled by Giselle. And then no. she, yeah, that's what it was. She was saying that. I mean, I know, but I, I just uh, you don't think not she's being agree. controlled by. OK, I no. guess you just can't see Giselle hand up a. Robin, for me, maybe you ain't checked that. Robin has been one. Robin is Giselle's friend, and so that's like there comes a level of loyalty. But Robin has also been very neutral, Mm. very reasonable. So I do. I think Robin is always the voice of reason in this group and always asking the right questions. And so, no, I don't think at all. She's always asking the right questions. That is not how I would characterize her. But um, I do think she overwhelmingly sides with Giselle. Well, that's Um, her friend. And I think that, you know, there there's a loyalty that's going to come with friends outside of that loyalty that comes with friends. I feel like she is neutral. She hangs out with people that Giselle doesn't like. She's always, I feel like, asking. I like Robin. So I I, I do think that sometimes she just ride a little too hard for Giselle. And I do not think Giselle reciprocates. I think Giselle a thousand percent reciprocates. I think a thousand percent she does not. 
then they got to this thing of like, are you and Giselle lovers? I'm like, I ain't never really ever seen that. So I thought that was weird that Nikki brought that up. But then, listen, she then drove on by to Giselle. And <laughs> okay, so when she just jumped in talking about, do you think your beauty is fading? And everybody yeah. just had like the cracked face. I was like, ow, that, you know, that is the point. Like, Andy couldn't have said that. And that right. was when it, it started getting good. Um, I thought that was very, uh, it was just hilarious, first of all. But I mean, like, you can tell that Giselle puts a lot of stock into that. And as we get older, you know, it, it ain't it, it ain't it don't stay the way it used to be. I mean, there and when when Nikki was like, there has been a change. Like, yeah, she's a little bit older. However, I feel like Giselle is a natural beauty, and so like when <laughs> you see like her before, like when season one and that, like she's put on a little weight. Pandemic, we all. However, Giselle remains a natural beauty. Like, yeah, they were saying Karen looked like she was 65 the first season. Karen got worked up. Karen is not a natural beauty? No, she's not. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I I disagree. You know, I think Karen is. This is the thing. I think everybody is beautiful in their own way. So you may have your opinions about who's a natural beauty versus an unnatural beauty. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is that Karen has enhancements. We clearly see it. Like, that's why you look how you look now. Dehancement. She got, you know, the No, she ain't dehancing. She got the Tommy, the whole mommy makeover. That was before she was on Potomac, Wendy. So let's start with that. But I do think when uh, Nikki went in on that, I was like, oh, uh, but also, she was getting into Jamal's finances. I was like, Ooh. I loved that. Um, she actually took it to Giselle and she gave Giselle some really good advice when she said that, you know, Giselle, you talked about age with Ray and stuff like that. And, I, you know, she, she said, what I really think you meant to say is that you were hurt by what he said. And I thought that was very poignant of her to just point that out instead of just trying. And, and the thing is, Giselle is not good at the zingers, so she shouldn't try them and that was one that came off poorly and she tried because she was upset about what he said about needing a man and stuff like that and I'm sure she's heard that many many times before um, and I thought it was great that she actually agreed and said that she's working on doing that I, listen okay the green eye bandit is growing I do um, think she's growing no for sure I, again I like that Nikki was like you know we love seeing you with your kids again one of probably my favorite points from this season was Giselle with her kids mm-hmm. and the Gucci car and the Gucci car but <laughs> that we already said like was Jamal's last year then Giselle said she bought it but it's her Gucci okay but yeah and the then got it, the Gucci okay <laughs> she was like it's not that expensive then the grand dame um, and mind you Nikki did spend a lot of time on Giselle and kind of like you know grilling her and you know talking about the Wendy situation and again Wendy for me I uh, was a fail a all fail. she did was yell all over everybody I'm like damn can we and at least hear some of the insults I always hate someone like Wendy who can speak in a very, you know, has a very nice vernacular and has a wide vocabulary. And you think because you're sharp and witty that like, I don't know, because mind you, I don't I don't speak that well. I can I can care myself, but I'm not as um, 
Artic- well, I can't articulate maybe as well as Wendy. And I think Wendy probably can articulate the best. You know, she is allegedly uh, um, a political pundit. So Ooh. I just hate I the like way the word, that pundit. she throws it around. But it's like, girl, it don't mean like, OK, you're getting the point, but you still look not like great. Right. So, and you still look pressed. So she is pressed. So I do think that she does try to use the fact that she's eloquent um, and has a way with words oh, uh, yeah. to, tr- to try and um, belittle people and make them feel stupid. Um, and but she be, but she be wrong. That's it. And then if right. she can't do that, she just yells over people. So it's getting old again. You know, it's really I don't know. She you know she tries to kind of put on airs, as they say in the south. Yeah. Um, and then it was interesting. Nikki asked uh, Mia, Karen, hmm. and uh, I'm about to say Rachel and Ashley about the indecent de- proposal. Is that it? Well, them just. Well, no, that was that was with Giselle oh. and Robin. Robin the and fifty Ashley. million dollars. Would they get nasty? Listen, mm. for twenty dollars in a pizza, maybe. <laughs> Child, I would do something strange. You know, it's so, listen, it all depends on the price point. Oh, God. Okay. Getting it back together. Sorry. Doing something strange. Um, Okay, so. So what I was getting at. Was this the older men thing? That's the older men. Like, if they didn't have the money that they had, would they be interested in it? And I'm sorry. I felt like I believe none of them. You ain't believe the grand dame? I mean, here's the thing. The grand dame is in love with Ray. Yes, she is, honey. However, I just, let's read, like, let's also said that she would not have been, that, you know, she was like the money sweet in the pot, though. No, right. But that's what I'm saying. Like, let's go back them 40 or 25 years and let's really see how sweet the pot was. And then actually just. So this is the thing I I think about the grand dame. You had to think about it like she also already had it. She was a single mother, you know, so it's not like she was going to be out dating people who. I mean, but if Ray was the manager at McDonald's, would like, you know, so it's like. Now, if he was the manager at McDonald's, you know, franchising, you know, running one and owning some up. But I guess I can see how he had a nice, stable life. And that's what she was looking for. Right. That was appealing. And so but that's honestly, I felt like that was the question. And that I felt like that was the question that Nikki was asking. They just were like, oh, no, it's not about the money. I like like, no, like y'all know what she asking. I felt uh, like Ashley's I think, answer. I think Ashley. Mm, I he's know. funny. I, I'm physically nah. attracted to him, and Mia's. Uh, I just didn't believe her at all. I didn't believe her at all. So she was the one I totally didn't believe. I actually believed most of what um, the grand dame said. Ashley, mm, and definitely me. I'm like, girl, you would. And, she, and then when she was like, you you wouldn't even been working there. So true. Right. So true. And then that segue in her talking about tripling down on the uh, entertainment centers versus strip clubs. I was like, girl, bye. Yeah, I, <laughs> Mia was a flip flopper in the season. And I don't know why I'm so surprised, like her going back and forth on the reunion. It was um, somewhat of a little bit annoying in the sense of like, girl, just stand at what you said, even if you wrong. Take a note out of Wendy's uh 
board that she brought that was pointless <laughs> last week. Look, she uh, had to have a prop, okay? She's sitting on in the furthest position on the couch next to Andy. So she had to have something, mm-hmm. you know, if she wasn't pointing a scepter in somebody's face, you know. Something like that. But that was a Real Housewife of Atlanta reference. Just like that. Yes. Um, the drag, the drag her around the world. Mm-hmm. The death drop. <laughs> um, but I just think that Mia, like, first of all, girl, if you was a stripper, you was a stripper. Ain't nothing wrong with it. It's a profession. People do it. You know, and the only reason why it's so stigmatized is because people make, you know, more out of it than it should. And I mean, like, People got to get fed. Look, okay, it's girls got to get through college. Listen, (laughs) like I said before, like I just feel like um, you're like you're right. People minimize it and like not that strippers are sex workers, but sex work is a real legitimate job. It sure is. And yeah. and it wouldn't, I just feel like, and it wouldn't be, like, people are paying, and, and I oftentimes feel like the stigma comes from... I think it people. really, a lot of times, comes from the female side. Uh, right. Because dudes ain't being like, ugh, you went to a strip club? Well, because dudes are the one that's paying for it. Correct. So, mm. Correct. But, yeah, I it was just interesting, the conversation. And then we got to Miss Wendy and the, the booty plumping and mm. Eddie following these things. And it was just very, um, yeah, and this is why I felt like Nikki got her because Nikki was like, so you don't care if your man is following me? And she's like, no, I don't care. I don't care. I don't know. No, no. And then, child, just listen, y'all know the Instagram sites that I be talking about. Clearly, Nikki Minaj be on them, too, because she was like, well, what's interesting because after the rumors and the thing, bro, uh-huh. he started following, unfollowing uh-huh. masses all of the them. All the booties got unfollowed. And she's like, people got screenshots of it, girl. So what do you say? Really? I, yeah. I, she just need to let that go. I don't, I don't, I don't even understand that. Um, I don't know. Her husband, God love him. He's, he seems like he's a very nice man and he loves his wife a lot. So that's amazing. I mean, that's what we see. And <laughs> like, and again, Wendy comes off very controlled rolling and yes, you know, get up off that man and Sorry. I just feel like the more you're up on a man I feel like the more a man has a another side that you like I don't know I've seen a lot of crazy things in my life so I just feel like you know yeah but again Wendy had an answer for that like Wendy came prepared she had an answer for that had an answer for that like I'm like girl Call I don't know I'm, I, I'm just not a huge fan of Miss Wendy. Then we got to Candace, which, in my opinion, had probably mm-hmm. the most interesting story of the reunion, and only because it centered around Dorothy. Yes, and, I too hottie. Okay, oh, girl. And so you know, she was going in uh, with questioning. I'm like, what? It's like, so she was going in about how how she needed to check her mama, right? And so, you know, Candace and then, you know, tried to have to hand Candace a tissue. They had to fold it in half. In the the triangle, honey. Get that eye booger. And, you know, Candace like, it's really affected my relationship. I had to like, although I did respect Candace being like, because they're like, well, how did you check your mom? And Candace was like, honey. I'm not going to disrespect my mom on national television. Um, So I like somewhat I, I was feeling her, but she was essentially saying, she checked her mom. She stopped talking to her mom for a couple of days and it's affected their relationship. Then, um, 
she started asking her about her career. So this had to be this the this. best part because Miss Minaj, Nikki uh, Nasty, um, uh, was not going to let her uh, back down. And no, she asked no. her very pointed questions. Where you at? How many albums you sold? Where you charting? And you talking about iTunes or you talking about R&B Billboard? And Loved for it. me, it was like when they were asked, Nikki, like, so I sold 20,000 copies. Is that good? Mm. And how she just and didn't answer the question. Like, mm. Yeah. Yeah. But I do think for someone like Candace to sell 20,000 albums is great. As a new artist on like, you know, a 360 deal, I, I do think I don't want to minimize her, you know, me as someone that, you know, dibbles, dibbled in the music. Mm. I 20,000 is a lot. Is so over it, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Listen, listen, is it? listen, Jatia Minaj. Yes, it is. <laughs> Think about these millions of rappers or millions of like singers out here that like want a big deal. If they were to stream twenty thousand, that that's a big number. So I'm not going to minimize that. Oh no, she streamed half a million. She sold. Sure. And Nikki was like, "What is it?" And mind you, that was another shade that Nikki when she was like, "Is it iTunes or Billboards?" Because I love pe- I love a lot of people like to be like, "Oh, I went number one." Well, girl, that's just on iTunes. That's not like bit like. So I love that. Then, baby, when Nikki said, "Sing," woo. That and was she was like, I'm a single gospel record. And Nikki was like, no. oh, girl, y'all got an album out. What sing your song? What you ain't got no gospel album out. You ain't Michelle Williams around here. Don't, listen. Keep so, it cute. I you know, I ain't gonna keep, do that. I ain't thank gonna do you. That keep it okay. cute. Keep it cute. Cause <laughs> Bryce Minaj will come out. Um, there is this I'm is not gonna Michelle say anything bad about Williams. Michelle Williams because I might not be invited back to the podcast so we're just yes. gonna keep it moving thank you uh, however when Nikki was asking her to sing and Candace was getting reluctant I was living for Mia sing isn't this your career why oh wouldn't you sing God. your own song I was oh, like Ooh. but honestly and they were right they Giselle, were every, Giselle was like girl this your opportunity um, I mean so it was haters and supporters both telling her to sing. She either had way, to sing it. right? She had either to. way, even if you sounded a mess, that would have been e- even more publicity. And yes. that's how I knew Candace was really nervous when Mia was like, "This is your career, sing! Like, <laughs> why are we even having to ask you sing?" And you know, normal Candace, you know, rah, 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 Candace Lit would be rah rah. Child, she ain't have nothing for her. I said, ooh, she really nervous. But it also, all season, we've been talking about the rollout and mm-hmm. how important it is. And most of the times, the reunion is the highest rated portion of Look, the season. She should have her a dang um, Countess like say la vie. I think Mia even was like, you should be all over the stage. Yes. Well, she is right. Even if you sound a mess. Yes, you should have you pulled out your dancing ability. Oh, yeah, that's right. Then when she was like, <laughs> so if I want to have a record label, which, which I, I do, <laughs> <laughs> what would be a selling point? And the fact that, again, this also just showed me that Candace really is not the brains behind her 
Because you're supposed to have that ready. You're supposed to have a Well, pitch. right. And it's not just my my singing ability. Like, girl, that's not the question. What do you have? Like, I have a platform on the Real Housewives uh-huh. of Potomac. I'm so very charismatic. You, like, yo, you getting an MBA? Girl, you should have had that pitch deck ready, honey. Especially if, yeah. you, if you be Nicki Minaj, you're supposed to stay ready. Anyway, was, but I am very glad that she did sing. And she sounded wonderful, actually. You know, my me drop it. Drop it. Oh, Boy, I, thought Candace, I thought Candace was on here. I, <laughs> no, Candace. Drop it. But you know you got that comeback. You, you will come not. Back. You will not be on the backup singing <laughs> on, on the second album. Um, <laughs> it was uh, interesting. Like a girl, like, first of all, and again. I thought I, she actually really redeemed herself. She, and I was... She, I was very excited for her because she carried she a note. Uh, I just, you know, I seen her on Kelly Clarkson and I sent it to you, which you didn't comment back. I, probably because I did not watch it. <laughs> it says, <laughs> just scene. to let you know that. It said red five minutes ago, five minutes after I sent it two weeks ago. But what I didn't like about her live performance was she was singing on, and mind you, I sent this to Jacob Jones too. I was like, she's singing on she got a backtrack singing uh-huh. and the backtrack has backup singers however on the stage there's back. no backup oh. singers well you know that's probably because her husband wasn't on his job so yeah then Mia had to go to the bathroom and all the ladies took a break and Ooh. baby Chris came out storming honey I don't like I, I saw it all I did not like that he and he was dead wrong and everybody tried to tell him to calm his tits and he could well, not well one it's not about you so you're not a housewife even though I do love you Chris Bassett I was just confused at two what was he talking about because if anything I felt like Nicki Minaj was somewhat defending him. So I was wondering if like this was the first time. I think time he didn't like that he she was pressured into singing and she wasn't ready or warmed up. I think that's what No, because he said he didn't like the line of questioning and the direction that it was going as if like it oh, wasn't enough thing. about right enough about the music. Well, it doesn't matter. Like, you know, if this yeah, is the time that you, this. right, like, and if this is how they're going to have to get you to your music, you have to get you to your music. You only sold 20,000 copies, sis. Like, take what you could get. Well, not only that, I'm sure she got to bounce off of that. So, I mean, who knows? She released her new single. Oh, and that video looked better than the first one. It did, but for me, I was dying at the way Mia was looking at it. Like, oh, y'all going to talk about me being a stripper and you have negative <laughs> music video. So now, that, that is, I agree with that though. Like, come on, girl, because you better than her. You better than her because you naked on the on the video and she naked in the club. I mean, come now on. Mia didn't say that, but if you watch the reunion and when they played it, Mia's face said it all. I so, concur. I agree yeah. with her. And I was just like, oh, okay, Candace, you, you got the little clappers out. You naked in the pool and like, oh, okay. But you here you are shunning. I thought she, she looked fantastic, but yeah, it ain't it ain't don't it ain't this it's it's the same thing. You a sex worker too, honey. Oh, not a sex worker in a music yes. video. Yeah. Look, you selling sex. You selling well, the mm-hmm. thought to, to I mean, it ain't it ain't that far of a jump now. Nobody's watching that video for your vocal ability. Oh, don't do that. That listen, that's why a record label would sign her before her dancing. <laughs> no, they signing you because you in a pool of liquid touching your vaginal area. That's what oh, it is. Is that saying. all is that all I need to do to get signed? 
well, I hope, well, that it would be a lot easier if that was. No, but I'm just, it's definitely adding to it, is what I'm saying. And, that went way left. That's right. not go the way I envisioned <laughs> in my mind. Because if that's the case, when I come to Chicago in a couple of weeks, I need for you to take a couple of photos. I'm trying to get this rap career popping. Look, if you slide down a pole into the, the lap of a demon. Oh. Isn't that what the boy did? Oh, uh, you talk about Little Nas X? Yes, him. Listen. I don't even know his name. Look. Yes, it's Little Nas X. Okay, well, he gave a hell of a lap dance to the devil. Okay. Listen, some, sometimes you got to dance with the devil to get what you want. <laughs> okay. Come, Look. Come, over, come over here, Lucifer, real quick. Look, them thighs, he was going down the pole. His thighs was smoking up. He ended up in a lap. Look. Oh, Lucifer. Boy, you know you want that drive back. Okay, sorry, y'all. But it was, Nicki Minaj did do her thing, and it was, like, interesting. Nevertheless, however... We got what we came from. We got what we came for. However, this could have been... Part three, and I would have been happy with just the three part. Like I, I didn't need the four part. Y'all need to stretch it out. Yeah, like the husbands to me didn't really contribute that much. Maybe if Juan and oh, um, and, ooh, and speaking of Juan, we did forget to bring this up. Now, mind you, I felt like Nikki went in on this question about the. Ash, Does Juan have any uh, gay friends? Well, any other gay friends. And mind you, first of all, Nikki, first of all, and here's another thing that kind of low-key pissed me off about Nikki, because um, I didn't like that inference. And girl, you knew what you were doing. And mind you, if Ashley didn't correct you, you would have kept doing it. But uh, they really did talk about Juan and... What's the Ashley? Romance, that's a romance, Michael. Yes. What's Ashley's husband's name? It's like slipping my mind. Michael. Michael and Nikki did bring up a good point though like despite it being a male or a female but if somebody says that they want to give like your husband fellatio and then like he entertains the friendship like I I I was getting her line of questioning there um but the point is they don't uh, I guess they they know Juan ain't, ain't for that so. Well, right. And so that was, but, but uh, we don't know if Michael was. And then that's when, you know, Nikki was asking Robin, does Juan have any other like gay friends? And she said it twice and then Ashley checked her. And then, you know, Nikki was like, oh no, I'm not doing any like that. Like, you know, I would never want to like, you know, disrespect the gay community or the LGBTQ. Like, yeah, first of all, she couldn't even, she couldn't even say the whole LGBTQ plus thing. And for me, I was just like, well, Nikki, you know, 70, 60% of your fans are of the community, it will behoove you to know be the who. acronym. Be who, baby. Be who. Mm. Be who. Be who. What I say? Okay. Be who. No, you, uh, you was right. I would just okay. say it would be who. You, you right. But right. She, and I, I mean, she, I, I'm agreeing with you. Sorry if it sounded like I was not. I am totally actually agreeing with you. Don't don't try to use them um, and be down with them in one spot, mm. and then when it's funny, you making jokes. Yeah, and like, let's not even get into your whole child uh, uh, no. and no. ooh, because we all know where that comes from—the gay community. But you know, listen, that's another story for another day. But uh, overall, was entertaining, and I think Nicki Minaj did do a great job. I would like to see, like I said earlier, maybe them changing the format up a little bit. It don't always have to be a star, but somebody as big as Nicki Minaj, but I do think it would be interesting, the dynamics uh, and how the women 
react uh, to and how they answer the questions when it comes from somebody uh, that looks like them answering the questions instead of somebody like Andy Cohen. Although, like, I love Andy Cohen. I think he does a great job, but... It was just interesting because she was. I do. I think it was very interesting, and I think that they should do that more often. It'd be lovely. Right. Well, listen, that is us wrapping up a full season of Potomac. We got the job done. Yes, we did. We did get the job done. I really enjoyed reviewing this with you. You know, I love talking to you, and it's amazing that we get to let the whole purple pants posse in on our little kikis about one of the shows that we both enjoy yes i love it and i think the purple pants posse enjoys it i always see people commenting about your thoughts or some of the things that you say about it so you know shout out to the purple pants posse i love the purple pants posse i'd love to hear some of their comments um, about what they think about the show that'd be amazing i am on instagram and twitter you guys let me know how you feel about the show or you can put it in the comments and tag me on the purple pants podcast instagram i'm always on the insta so i have really enjoyed it i can't wait Till there is another show that we can review. I have really enjoyed it. And thank you, Mr. Bryce Isaiah, for having me on. I really appreciate it. It is my pleasure. Well, what do you got cooking up? Give the people an update. Well, I actually do have updates. So I am currently working on planning the second season of STEM Queens. Yes, loving that. And I'm actually looking for some people to work with me. I'm looking for some social media and graphic design interns. If you are interested, you can also reach out to me on Instagram, Jatia PhD. I would love to have you on my team, especially yeah. if you're down with the purple pants pop, uh, posse. I know, I know you good people then. Okay, listen, you know, the Purple Pants Posse is a community. So if anyone is interested in helping Jatia with season two of the STEM Queens, repeat it for them again. Where can they get at your girlfriend? Yes, Instagram and Twitter, Jatia PhD. Um, And of course, I'm always looking to mentor people. I have I write a great recommendation letter. So if you work with me, I work with you and we both win. Listen, I am here for it. Well, Argentia, it's been such a pleasure. I'm sad the season has come to an end. But listen, <clears throat> I gotta drop it. Drop it. I swear to God, I'll start talking about Michelle Williams. If uh, you start. Girl, we're going to end the podcast now. Bye. Bye. Who's the freak? Who's the freak? Who's the freak of the week? Who's that? Who's that? Who's that freaky, freaky freak? Who's the freak of the week? Might be me, might be you, might be. And we are on to this week's Freak of the Week. This Freak of the Week comes a little sad in the sense that the fashion industry has lost an iconic member this past week. On Sunday, Virgil Abloh, the highest 
fashion profile black designer in the industry lost his battle to cancer. Most people know Virgil from being the artistic director of the menswear line to Louis Vuitton. He was brought on in 2018 and that's when Louis really wanted to kind of appeal to a more younger crowd and so they brought Virgil on as the artistic director and he really kind of merged Louis Vuitton with that like high in street fashion and if you see in like the new Louis there's all this kind of like skateboard hip hop you know he brought the graffiti you see the bright colors that was all him and he also had another brand that was off white that Louis Vuitton also invested and brought in to the fold but he was just so iconic and so many people loved him and anyone that's in the fashion industry knows who he is and they had said maybe back in 2018 he was battling cancer uh, in a very rare form of cancer and over the weekend he transitioned um, from his physical body to his spiritual body and I just wanted to just and which I always say on the podcast, give people their flowers while they can still smell them. And so unfortunately, I have to give Virgil his flowers while he is gone. But he is truly missed. And I know that his legacy will live on forever. And I just want to send my condolences to his friends, family, anyone that was ever inspired by him. Um, yeah. He will truly live on it and his work speaks for itself. Definitely a huge loss in the fashion industry this week. So I just want to make sure that we at the Purple Pants podcast honor Virgil and he is the freak of the week. If Virgil is the freak of the week, that means we are coming to an end of another amazing episode. Thank you guys so much for always supporting and listening. But if you have not already, please make sure you are subscribed to the Purple Pants podcast. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, wherever it is that you get your podcasts from. Hit that subscribe button. Your baby boy is on YouTube as well. So look up Bryce Isaiah. Hit that subscribe button. Watch the videos that I've got there. Okay. Give your baby boy some five stars. Write a review and tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend to check them smoke detectors because it's a it's a it's a it's the purple pants it's the purple pants it's the purple pants podcast you better get your headphones and listen up quick it's the purple pants podcast you better listen in public might make your stomach hurt it's the purple pants podcast you're trying to unwind you better get that box wine it's the purple pants podcast you're trying to get your snack you better hurry right back though it's the purple pants it's the purple pants